You are now listening to The Dime with Josh Rodriguez, your weekly go-to podcast for all things NBA. Subscribe on iTunes or listen every week on thedimepodcast.com. And now, your host, Josh Rodriguez. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Dime. ESPN has released their annual ESPN player rankings, a list of the 100 players that ESPN feels will have the best 2018 2019 season and we are here to break it all down for you on the dime if you want you can follow the dime on twitter and instagram at the dime nba give the show five stars on itunes and please leave a comment or review saying how much you love this podcast i am now developing video content to be on youtube so please subscribe to the dime's youtube channel and hit me up if you want to be a contributor of some sort i am on instagram on twitter at josh underscore rodriguez underscore and now ladies and gentlemen i would like to introduce to you my guest he is the host of the Great Area Podcast that can be seen, oh, not seen, but heard every other Thursday, 10 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. You can also subscribe to his podcast, The Great Area, on iTunes. Everybody, please welcome to the dime, Ray Jarvis. What's up, man? What's good? What's good, people? How's people, it? I'm here. It's time. Let's get it. <laughs> it is time. And, uh, Ray, I've been listening to your podcast. Very entertaining. I uh, love you as a host. Had to get you on. I feel like I'm becoming part of this small circle like you, uh, Just Blaze. Like, it's nice, man. It's a nice little community we got going on, on Twitter. I mean, it's high-level podcasting, man. You know, we try, we try to do what we do out here. I, I usually call, anytime me and Just get together, I call, we call ourselves the league office. We consider ourselves the avenue for basketball talk. So I'm glad that you have me on. Season's about to start. We would welcome you into the league office as well. So we yes. Can you killed it on the, the rim as well. I hit you up. I'm like, yo, you bodied that episode, man. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a honored to be in the league office um and i'm i'm honored to have you on the podcast man let's get going now espn has released their top 100 players i guess that's going to have the best season very interesting ranking i guess we're not going to go through the 100 that's absurd but i'm going to give you the top 20 right quick Kyrie irving at 20 clay thompson 19 ben simmons 18 carl anthony town 17 jamon green 16 victor oladipo at 15 jimmy butler 14 paul george 13 Nikola Jokic is at 12, Chris Paul 11, Damian Lillard 10, Joel Embiid 9, Kawhi Leonard 8, Russell Westbrook 7, Anthony Davis 6, and there's a tie for fourth with Giannis and Kevin Durant, James Harden's 3, Steph Curry's 2, LeBron James is 1, I went down that, so anybody who hasn't seen the list, you know the list now, at least at top 20. Jarvis, I'm going to ask you straight up, right off the bat, who is the most overrated player on this list that you think? Most overrated player on this list... Uh, full objectiveness. I'm gonna go Nikola Jokic, man. Really? 12's too yeah. high. 12's too high 12, for you. Don't, the, the reason why, it's not because for the listeners, because we know as you follow the sport, you talk about the sport. When, when we say things about players, the fans instantly take it as a negative. So, right. full disclosure, I'm not saying he isn't good. What I'm saying is 12 best in the league right now? <laughs> no, absolutely not. ESPN has a way where they like to project what they think is going to happen and then call you a bust when you don't live up to their expectations. Mm. I think they're setting Joker Jeff for failure by putting him at 12 as of right now. Most overrated has got to be him. Uh, that is, it is really high. I, I 12's a lot, and this is coming from someone who absolutely loves Jokic. I love his game. I think he's the best big man passer in the league. Um, I have Victor Oladipo, man. I, I know he had a good season, but you're going to put him over Kyrie? You're going to put him over John Wall? Like, really? <laughs> Victor Oladipo? Hey, man. It, put it this way. Having Oladipo this high validates their love for Russell Westbrook. 
He learned so much. That's the narrative, right? He learned so much from Westbrook, and now he's elevated his game. And, of course, another thing, he took LeBron James seven games. He did. Any player that takes LeBron James seven games gets a lot of love from ESPN. Just ask Paul George. That is that is true, but I don't know if the narrative is that he learned a lot from Westbrook. I think it might be he got underneath the wings from Westbrook. He freed himself, and now he's no longer with Westbrook because there's that narrative, too, where people don't like Westbrook and, like, oh, he's a better player without Westbrook. You're speaking, you're speaking to one of them. I am not a fan right. of Russell Westbrook. I right. believe the So do you think leaving Westbrook has benefited his game? Absolutely. If you're and, a point guard, yep. you need the ball, you know? That's true. That's true. I always looked at El Depot as a shooting guard, though. I, 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 when I think of him, I think of more of a combo guard, not so much a point guard. Fair enough. But either way, high usage guard. High usage guards need the basketball. That is he fact. needs the ball. His game is not predicated on playing off the catch. If you're not playing off the catch and you need the ball, you can't play with Westbrook unless you're Kevin Durant, who's high efficiency. That is true. That is true. Uh, Russell Westbrook is in at seven, which kind of surprised me. The media's weird with Westbrook. It's like 50-50. You have people like, I'm with you. I'm on the same boat as you. Westbrook kind of frustrates me. Uh, playing basketball all my life, I was a point guard. and I was a pass-first point guard. So seeing him play point guard, he's just the antithesis of what I was taught and how I played the game myself. So right. I see him playing. He frustrates me. But seven to me... I. It, it doesn't seem to be causing that much controversy. I, it kind of surprises me they have Giannis so high, tied at fourth with Kevin Durant, too. Do you look at Giannis like he's better than Westbrook and that he's on the same playing field with Durant? Um, I, don't, I don't look at Giannis as that level of player. Yeah. But it goes back to the network projecting. With LeBron out of the East, a lot of guys are getting that bump because he's out of the way, so certain players are going to be expected to elevate their games because there is no Cleveland Cavalier or Miami previously to get in their way. Giannis and the Bucks don't have to deal with Cleveland four times a year as a threat. So now they should be better, you know? Giannis should have gotten better year-to-year progression. To me, he kind of, I won't say he regressed, but I'll say he leveled off last year. Right. So but without LeBron, the Bucks should by default be better. And being that he's a person that's going to be on TV a lot, it's good to give him a higher ranking to where you can justify his positioning on television about 30 times a season. Yo, you're so on point with that, man. You're thinking about the business aspect of it all, too. I didn't even think about that. He is going on TV a lot. The East, I wouldn't say it's his for the taking, but he hasn't faced LeBron in the in the playoffs at all. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can have the excuse that LeBron's been in the East, but you know, he was never knocked out by LeBron. Like He never made it out of the first round. I like his game, but to put someone on the fourth position, Tied with Kevin Durant, someone who's never got the first round. That's crazy. What's crazier is the fact that Giannis is above Anthony Davis, who's played out West career, has had, by the numbers, has had historic seasons. And he's what, six? Yeah. That's a little. That that is. I mean, that's kind of crazy, especially this is a ranking that's going to have people who are going to have the best season going forward. Anthony Davis is the best player on the Pelicans. And then no knock on Steph Curry, but Steph Curry's number two. And you got Kevin Durant at four. They got to share. They got to share the wealth over there. So how do you not have Anthony Davis at least top three in my mind? I mean, I love James Harden at three, but Curry to me is a little high. Uh, You know what? It depends on how you look at the league. And I guess NBA rank. It's not necessarily it's, it's, it, what they do is what ESPN protects itself with. With this list is it's not about how we will be in the barbershop, right? And we'll right, say right. I, this guy is nicer than this guy. Or when you when you were playing ball, you're in high school, you're in the locker room playing with your teammates. You say, well, he's better than you. What they're factoring in is is all encompassing. Steph is number two because they value the three point shot so much, and he is the three point shot essentially in the NBA today, along with Clay Thompson. That 
we can't have him too low because what he does, he's actually broken the game. I've been saying it for a few years now. What Steph does has broken conventional basketball. Yes. So ESPN is looking at that as if he's shooting a three, the most valuable shot in the NBA, and he does it the best. We can't have him too low because then it kind of blows our whole system up. So they're kind of protecting themselves by saying that although Steph might not be the most athletic player or the most flashy player, what he does best is what matters the most in the league today. So he has to be up there. And, and if he's number two, and that's the rationale behind it, I can't argue with it too much. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And shout out to all the teenagers I play with here out in the courts, man, shooting threes off the dribble from 30 feet out. Oh. You've, you've ruined pickup basketball forever. 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 <laughs> I blame Steph Curry, honestly, and the Warriors for ruining pickup basketball. I can't play pickup no more, man. It's fucking crazy. Every time I go out to the courts, some kid is trying to jack threes from 30 feet out off the dribble with a man in his face. It's crazy. I, you know what it is? Because I'm not going to say I'm like an old man, but I'm up there. I, I can say that I've gotten to see the transition firsthand from – Looking at guys who wanted to be Iverson, dribble, right. dribble, dribble. Yes. Yeah. They had the greatest layup package ever, could <laughs> dribble, but could not shoot a ball. To Kobe Bryant, kind of bringing the mid-range game back. And you kind of see a lot of the guards, a lot of the wings right now, they're Kobe Bryant acolytes. So they, they elevate in that game as far as mid-range and doing a little bit of everything as opposed to just being able to dunk and lay the ball up. And now Steph, is. I'm seeing a transition. I work in a high school, and I've seen a transition with Steph, whereas in high school gym class, Everyone, even if you're dribbling, everyone is behind the three-point line. There is no right. elbow jump shot. There is no top-of-the-key jump shot. There's no wing jump shot. All these kids are pulling threes. That is all they're doing. So when you say that, I see it every day. and It, it makes me laugh because it's like, <laughs> what's next? You know what? When, when the next big man comes into the league who actually posts the ball, he's going to break the game again because you're going to tell me he's a high percentage two every time. He's going to break the game, whoever that play is. <laughs> That's true, man. I even think about it like that. And I play with people who are like six, 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 seven sometimes. And even they, they're pulling from like, – it's crazy, man. It's like you are six, seven. This is a pickup game. You are by far the biggest man on the court. Get down low. Layups, bro, all day. But it, it's crazy how much the game has changed. It's insane. Indeed. It's laughable. Yeah, man. All right, so now I'm going to ask you, who is the most underrated player on the ESPN rankings list? I'm going to be biased here. All right. You know? I don't know if Jess could tell you, a few others can tell you, I love Kyrie Irving. Oh, so okay. A Celtic now. And, you know, LeBron's a Laker. It's, it's all missed. My whole world is ruined now. Um, Kyrie <laughs> Irving at number 20 with Ben Simmons, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. Draymond Green, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Jokic, all above him is quite ridiculous to me. I don't understand how Kyrie Irving is only 20. It makes absolutely no sense. Yo, I'm with you on that. This is who I had to as my most underrated player. I mean, before he went out with the injury, you were talking maybe he might be an MVP candidate. He had the Celtics, the best team in the East. And just because he gets injured doesn't mean he's going to fall off a bit. I mean, the Celtics, everyone's predicting them to go to the finals or at least the Eastern Conference finals. Most people I'm talking to are saying the finals. So if the Celtics are going to the finals, who the hell do you think is leading them to the finals? <laughs> it's Kyrie. So you're gonna have him at 20? Are you serious? Behind Draymond and Clay Thompson, you got four people on the same team in front of him. Are you out of your fucking mind? Four it's people my- on the same team are gonna have a better year than Kyrie Irving. That's crazy. It makes absolutely no sense. It's absurd. But again, you know, maybe I overthink things, but I think it's the relationship to LeBron and the fact that they're holding his injury history. 
against him. Because there's a lot of people out there who still believe that Kyrie Irving hasn't proved anything without LeBron James. Although I'm one of the few who believe that he hit the ground running in Boston and with Gordon Hayward going down, Boston didn't skip a beat. And you could argue that if Kyrie had played in the playoffs, they might have beat the Cavs in seven games. So to say he's 20 and a guy like Victor Oladipo is 15, that means you're telling me right now, if you swap out Kyrie Irving and put Victor Oladipo on Boston, they're going to go to the finals and win anyway? <laughs> right. That's to me, right? You know? So I find that completely asinine. That's ridiculous. Kyrie Irving at 20 makes no sense. I love Klay Thompson, but he's not better than Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. He's not. No, and that's the thing with ESPN that's kind of frustrating. Obviously, a lot of this is for hype, but if you're going to say these rankings are for who's going to have the best season in 2018, 2019, honestly, it's absurd that he's not even in the top 10. You could make a case. I I don't even know if I'm exaggerating. I think you could make a case for Kyrie Irving being in the top five, being that he has the best team in the Eastern Conference, that he's going to lead that team in the Eastern Conference. How do you – it's absurd to me. That like I said this before, but four players on the same team, four players on the same team are gonna have a better year than him. Get out of here! Stop it! Like, <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's huge disrespect to him, and and what he's done. I mean, is his injuries even not? He's he's hundred percent healthy now, right? It's not like he's gonna have any lingering effects. So they say. Time will tell, you know. But either way, I'll ask you this question as a basketball fan: How much is there a distance? between Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving, the basketball players. Overall, three-point shooting, handling, championship-quality player, is there that much of a difference between the two? Nah, man. I mean, I'll, I'll take Steph, uh, but to be honest with you, it's if you told me you would take Kyrie over Steph, I wouldn't blame you, man. You could make a case for Kyrie better, being better than Steph. It's not that much of a difference. 18 slots in between? That's that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's insane. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's criminal what they have him at 20. Yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm going to ask you next question. Player outside the top 20 who you think should be in the top 20? If you're telling me that Dame Lillard is top 10, right? Right. There's no way CJ McCollum should be out of the top 20. Wow, he's he's, num- he's number 30 right now, so you have him. You would have him in the 20 as well. Has to be. He's not that far off from Dame as a basketball player. They're almost I- identical. Dame, it's crazy. To be honest. That's interesting. Now, now, are you, when it comes to the Blazers, are you on the boat where you feel like you have to break up Dame and CJ? Absolutely. You do have to break them up. All right, so you know what? Let's, I'll play devil's advocate even further than that, right? You're telling me that top 10 Dame Lillard, right, is, is that far off from CJ McCollum, 20 spots or so in between? No, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think there's a big discrepancy before. Like between them, I'll take Dame over CJ. Player got dragged out of the play- playoffs by the number six player in the league, who should be number three. You get what I mean? I feel Is you. Is he going to move CJ up, or are you going to move Dame back? Personally, I move Dame back. Okay, but um, now with the, the Blazers are interesting, man, because Dame and CJ are kind of—I wouldn't say they're the same exact player, but a lot of people are like, you got to break them up. Um, the styles of plays are too similar. Maybe the, the core that the Blazers have going isn't one that's even going to get past the Western Conference semifinals. Who would you rather keep now, Dame or CJ? Who do you think is easy to build a team around? Dame, uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, It's Dame. Dame is more, air quotes, special than CJ. Word. But what Dame doesn't need now is another guy who dribble penetrates and scores in similar fashions as he does. He needs a he needs more of a specialist next to him. Like whereas I think that 
the trade that needs to happen right this would be Bradley Bill for CJ. Interesting. Who will make the most sense at different addresses? Bradley Bill alongside Dan and John Wall alongside CJ makes a little more sense to me. I could be in the minority with that, but I think the skill sets and the packages makes more sense if they were to trade places. And it's interesting you said that too, because Washington's having the same predicament. They're like, do we keep Wall and Beal together? Or should we split them up? Do we have to change? Do we have to choose between one of them? It's almost the same thing in Portland going on. Maybe you just kind of switch and see what happens. I like that. I haven't heard that yet. That's what I'm looking at. I just feel as though with Bradley Bill's size at six foot four, he could take up certain defensive matchups at Dane. Uh, right. You know, he's, he's undersized, but he's not the biggest guard. You know, there's certain defensive rotations that, that gets exposed when they play against Portland because they're both kind of small, CJ and Dane. They're both not the greatest defender. Right. At least now, I walk a defend out east as well. CJ, it would be like a similar situation as far as tandems go for both teams. I just like I just like the dynamic of having a guy next to you. If you've got a dynamic point guard, to me, your, your two guard needs to be someone who does something different from your dynamic point guard. You can't have two of the same guys right. and expect to see it working. Interesting. Now, it's what's even more interesting, too, is that this NBA player rank has John Wall 32nd and Bradley Beal 26th. That's crazy. That's insane to me. Listen, I understand Bradley Beal is nice, but, and John Wall didn't have the year you thought he'd have last year, but to put him at 32nd, that's absurd to me. He's the player I would have who's outside the top 20, inside the top 20. Uh, I think he comes back. I think he has a really good year. You're going to tell me someone like Clay Thompson, like Draymond Green's going to have a better year than John Wall, really? Seriously? Like, even Victor Oladipo, I know we're going back to Victor, but he's not better than John Wall. He's going to have a better year than John Wall. I'll say this. John Wall is a victim of perception, being that his teammates don't necessarily care for him too much, or that's what we were led to believe last season. I'm kind of, I'm going to believe it just because of the energy that surrounded the team and, and the comments that came out from Washington. Right. So it's not about basketball. I don't think his ranking is. I think it's the fact that, you know, he had a little injury concerns, but the fact remains that he's not a loved or liked point guard. And at that position, your teammates have to like you, you know, for it to make enough sense, in my opinion, at least. I think as another example was what we saw in uh, Los Angeles with the Clippers. As players started to fall out of favor with Chris Paul, things stopped working as much, and then they end up blowing the whole thing up. If you're telling me that a young point guard, a creator, a dynamic player like John Wall, who was starting to look like the second-best player in the East just two seasons ago, is 36, it has nothing to do with basketball. It's, It's about perception. And right now, he needs to adjust that perception. Yeah, I just don't know if he can adjust that perception in Washington. It's obvious that they don't really like him in there. Uh, that locker room doesn't like him. When they went on that winning streak without him, they were saying stuff in the media about him. It's almost mm-hmm. like you can't really fix that. I don't know if you can fix that, in Washington at least. That Patrick Ewing theory. You know, you take your best player away and you get better. I don't know, man. And So you keep – maybe you swap Damon and Wall. Like you were saying, swap CJ and Beal. Maybe hey. you, <laughs> maybe you See, swap. I mean, one way or the other, right? right? Why not? It works. It might work. All right, so next we got player inside the top 20 who should be outside the top 20. You got anyone in mind? Well, if you're telling me, right, this, again, I, I just want to play devil's advocate. Because right. people, fans love to attach themselves to certain players, right? If John Wall is 37, how is Paul George 13? <laughs> <laughs> Paul George is on that list of guys who, who, who's been overrated painfully yeah by a lot of people a lot of fans and on the surface paul george has not had one season i know we we shouldn't simplify things as far as points per game but my whole argument is he's not had one season where he averaged 25 a game 
Not right. one. Right. Right? And to me, when you're the best anything in the NBA, especially in this league where the whole defense is, is kind of like neutered and the game is based for wings to dominate, Paul George can't get you 25 a night? Even That's after they... They broke up that Indiana team, and it was just him. He still couldn't get you 25 a night. I was just about to say that when he had a team to himself. Right. But yeah. then again, you have fans who like to say, well, he took a team to the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. And I'm like, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they had one of the best defensive centers in the game, or second best at the time of Roy Hibbert. Yep. David top five power forward, arguably. Lance Stevenson wasn't too crazy at that point, and he, and he was very useful, you know? That team wasn't just Paul George putting him on his back. Did Paul George have moments? Absolutely. He had a lot of, in quote, moments. Right. But as far as if ESPN is on or TNT is on, he might give you that 30-piece. But what about that random Tuesday or that random Thursday or Wednesday in the NBA where we're not watching and he's like 2 for 15 for 9 points? <laughs> is that the one you really want to put on your back or in the playoff against the Jazz? Mm. Where were you in game six? The closeout game, playoff P? Where were you? Right? Right. Well, George has too many moments where he lays eggs. Of course he stayed in OKC. Paul George does not want that L.A. smoke. Mm. Los Angeles different animal because Los Angeles will eat you up for those random Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays when you're 2 for 15 for 9 points. You can't say you love Kobe and you want to be this Kobe-like figure and you're not busting ass on a night-to-night basis. Again, the league is geared towards wings, and he never averaged 25 a game. Why is that? He's not top 20 to me. Mm. And it's crazy, the guy who busted his ass in that first round, Donovan Mitchell's outside the top 20. How you have how, how you have Donovan Mitchell, who led a team to the second round of the playoffs in his rookie season, a team that no one expected to make the playoffs outside the top 20, and the two people who he beat are in the top 20 right there. That's kind of crazy. I understand Russell, but I mean, he, he, he gave work to Paul George. He gave, work to, he gave work to everybody. He gave work to that whole OKC squad, busted everybody's ass. Walk into the league and figure things out on a level that you could argue that Paul George still has not figured out. Why? Because at the end of the day, people like to like to talk about conferences and they they try to poo-poo what the East and what the West is. I don't want to hear it. The West is superior. Right. And you're telling that a rookie goes on a team that lost Gordon Hayward and was supposed to become a lottery team, took that team to the playoffs, took uh and, and basically took out a top five Westbrook allegedly in a top 15 Paul George with no with no real like pushback. And if I'm not mistaken, he took home court advantage from them and closed them out. At yeah. home. And he and he lost his starting point guard in the series. Rubio was out. So he Ricky had Rubio got hurt. Yeah. So more ability for Donovan Mitchell. Right. Yep. You know, but again, we know the list is to make people talk. But just just to go off kilter for one second. How is Victor Oladipo top 15 in Donovan Mitchell not? Yes. If you really want to Facts. Donovan Mitchell's 22. You're going to tell me Victor Oladipo's ahead of him. And I, I know I keep harping on the fact that there's four Warriors here, but Draymond and Klay Thompson, come on, yo. Like, this this is a ranking of who's going to have the best season. You're going to tell me Donovan Mitchell's not going to take a step up? He might be in the MVP conversation next year. As, as far as natural progression goes, of course he yeah. should be. So when, I go, when we go back to Paul George, I never bought the hype. To me, Paul George always looked like an NBA superstar. Right. But his game has never been high-level NBA superstar, in my opinion. I've always said he has alpha swag, but a beta game. His game is big beta to me, and he needs to be out of the top 20. Mm. 
And then I'll add on top of this, stick with Donovan Mitchell. You got Ben Simmons at 18, who I'm a big fan of, but right. you know how Ben disappeared in that series against the Celtics where Donovan Mitchell just kept going in the playoffs. So you're ranking Ben Simmons higher than Donovan Mitchell when Donovan Mitchell had a better playoff series or better playoffs in general than Ben Simmons. I mean, one can make the case that Ben Simmons should be outside the top 20, and that should be Donovan Mitchell. Well, you know, much like John Wall was a victim of perception, Ben Simmons benefited from perception. Ben Simmons has been that deal since he walked in at LSU. He's, he was positioned by ESPN to be the heir apparent to LeBron since he was at LSU. A lot of the people in the league were trying to get him to the Lakers. It didn't work out lottery-wise. He's been a guy who's had the spotlight of greatness on him for a few years now. So a lot of this, and don't get me wrong, he had a great season. His rookie season was one of the best, his air quote rookie season, because he was really his second year. And I'm one of those people who say, technically speaking, he is a rookie, but having that NBA experience, just being on a pro professional bench, traveling with the team, moving around, having a professional training squads and whatnot to build you up, that that that's beneficial. So, but either way, he had a, a good rookie year, a great rookie year. That Philly team was really good. I understand the, the, the logic behind it, but Donovan Mitchell was in the West. Right. You got to round. If you want to leave Ben Simmons at 18, at the very least, Donovan Mitchell should be 19. That's I, the argument. I agree. And like to harp on Ben Simmons, I'm a big Ben Simmons fan, but I can't recall a playoff series where someone got exposed as much as he did. Now, you had, for instance, Dame had a bad playoff series against the Pelicans. But I wouldn't say he was exposed. Ben Simmons was exposed for his lack of perimeter game. He has no jump shot. He can't shoot outside the paint. And it was painfully obvious what he needs to work on in the postseason and on the offseason. And I can't remember a time someone has actually gotten that exposed in the playoff series. I can't I, remember. Some, they, they they gave Ben Simmons the same treatment that the Lakers used to give Rajon Rondo in the finals. They, right. They would hold you by the foul line and dare Rondo to shoot. And it would basically stifle the entire offense because there's no space. There's no driving lanes. There's no nothing. Right. So. That shot is broken, and any good NBA quality team, especially in the postseason, if if you're if you do something bad, that NBA team is going to force you to be good at what you do badly. And until he improves, until he improves that shot, you're going to see more of that Rondo defense. Because why should we let you blow by us and drive and kick or drive and finish? Why should we do that? I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame him either. It was just interesting to see because he was rookie of the year. He had this great season, and like I said, people had b bad series all the time. Like Dame had a bad series against the Pelicans. You can say Drew Holiday locked him up good for Drew Holidays and and whatnot, but I wouldn't say Dame was exposed. People have bad series all the times, like. But just as far as being exposed, where it's like, damn, like you have a weakness. <laughs> I don't remember a series like Ben Simmons had, but. That's just me harping on that. Now, Jarvis, do you have a do you have your own top ten? I know I put it on the rundown. If you didn't do it, so it's no big deal. My top ten yeah. right now, I'm gonna say LeBron James is number one. Okay, like okay. I, I you who who have been saying maybe for three or four years that there's certain aspects of his game that shows that he is on the other side of his prime. He is slowing down, but he's finally starting to figure out that he needs to incorporate other aspects to hide the fact that he is deflating as the, as the king of the league. But he's still number one. Okay. Number two for me is Kevin Durant. To you know, bar for bar, we say this is rap. If 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 LeBron James is the Drake of the league, then right now I you know I I call KD the J Cole, but I might have to move KD up to the Kendrick of the league. You know, right. me, he's he's the, he's the number two now. Okay, right. Okay, I, I'm, 
Steph, I'm a Steph lover. Steph is number three only because, granted, he doesn't have certain things that the more athletic guys have. What he does best, you still cannot stop. And he does it at a championship-winning level. So he has to be top three, in my opinion, at least. Okay. Number four, Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis, he's going to be the next guy that's going to really do things that's going to just make you throw your hands up in the air and be like, you know what, we can't stop it. I think he's already has the record for highest PER in single-season league history, if I'm not mistaken, maybe two or three seasons ago. Like, this guy is coming. He can do it all. He can dribble. He can penetrate. He can post. He can shoot the three. He can defend. And once he gets a running buddy, a superstar running buddy next to him, he's going to win multiple championships. It's just it's a matter of when. Not, it's no longer if with Anthony Davis at number four. Okay. At number five, James Harden. James Harden is, to me, like, as far as isolation scorer goes, he's the best in the league. He's by far the best in the league, you know? His defense gets a lot of heat for, for not playing D, and that's fine. That's good and well. I'm not going to knock you if you if you point out his defense. But all James Harden has done since he's gotten into the league is win, and that doesn't get highlighted enough. When we were talking about Westbrook and the triple doubles, I told people when Harden left OKC, I think by his second year in Houston, he had them in the conference finals in the third year in Houston. Conference that is finals. facts, yo. And I think his playoff fa- failures or quote-unquote failures have kind of knocked back his reputation a bit. But you're right. He could be a three-time MVP, too, if people they, voted differently. They they robbed him. Yeah. Put it, they, they held him not showing up in the finals against Miami against them. Right. I'm like, okay, they were, they were never beating Miami. People need to go back to that 2012 season and realize that Miami juggernaut was always going to stop James Harden. That, the way that team was set up, they were not going to let all three of those young guys beat them. Right. The only person that got off in that series consistently was Westbrook because the defense wasn't geared to stopping Westbrook. They took away the three-point shot, the three-point line from OKC. Notice that KD didn't shoot the three, three ball that well in that series. Harden, who was a big proponent of three ball, didn't shoot three ball well in that series. They were giving you the, the low percentage looks that Westbrook was making and the drives because they didn't want to get beat by the three. Right. They, Miami Heat's perimeter defense during that era is probably the most underrated aspect. They used to take away teams and pick and roll. I used to play fantasy a lot. And when my point guard would go up against that team, they would shut them down. They pick roll defense with James, with, not, with, not, with Chris Bosh trapping on the pick and rolls, hedging and getting back with some of the best I've ever seen. He doesn't get enough credit for running into a juggernaut. But at the same time, you'll kill James Harden for saying he's not clutch. He was the reason they beat the Spurs in the first place that year. <laughs> so how is he not clutch? He closed the Spurs out. Like, the Spurs. It's right? Na- it's narratives, bro. I think Chris Paul kind of has that same narrative around him, too. I, I, not so much anymore, but people used to say, say the same thing about Chris Paul, man. Chris Paul has hit some game-winning, game-series clinching shots in the playoffs. But if you fail once or twice in the playoffs, people don't forget that for some reason. They'll never forgive you, ever. You know what? Sad to say, my brother, I am one of those who kills CP3. Oh, and no, not, man, no! And, and, it, and it's not because he's not good or anything like that. It's only because I, I just look at it like he gets way too much credit for his accomplishments. Like, like my whole rationale is the way people kill Melo, yeah. this is the same way they should be killing CP3. Oh, I don't and, know about that. I, I don't know about that. It's, it's bothersome. Because uh, up until last season, as far as overall accomplishments go, right. forget stats. I like to throw the counting numbers in my face. And that's cool. It, he did that, right? Right. But Melo got to a conference finals. One. Why couldn't the CP3? Well, Melo got to one conference finals. He's been out the he first round twice, though. I mean, he, he's only been out the first round two times in his career. Other players get injuries held against them. How right. come we don't get injuries held against CP3? Even just this playoffs. Again. Again. 
He did get hurt, but he was balling. He was the best he player on the roster. He was the best player, in my opinion. I don't hear people killing CB3 enough. The reason why I think Chris Paul isn't getting killed for his injuries because I, gen- me personally, I think he was the best player in that Western Conference Finals for the Rockets okay. before he got hurt. So I think the consensus is if he didn't go down, the Rockets win that series. So it's almost mm-hmm. kind of looked at like, oh, man, you know, Chris Paul was killing it. He was doing this. He was doing that. Rather than, oh, there he is, hurt again. It's it's almost like of what could have been rather than kind of knocking him for getting hurt. Does that make sense? No, I, I dig that, and I and I hear a lot of that. But, again, we he got hurt in the playoffs in, with the Clippers, right? He did. Yeah, he did. And But he got hurt that one series against the Spurs. He ends up hitting the game series clinching floater in game seven. Right. And then, and then they what ha- what kills him is that series against the Rockets they lost when they were down three one. Uh huh. That series kills him. What, think, what, about, what about the OKC series where he choked it up late? Yeah, that's who. <laughs> that's who. And then who. got closed out at the crib, no less, in Game Six or Game Seven against the Spurs in 08. At the crib, got closed out. We don't want to talk about that. Come no, on, listen, now. he got he got playoff failures. I'm not saying he's perfect by any means, but he does have his moments, and I do think that he's led a Hornets team, you know, to the playoffs that shouldn't have been as good as they were. Listen, they had David right. West, but Tyson Chandler was like with their third option. It wasn't that great of a team. Right. Um, I mean, I think last year he had a great playoffs before he got hurt. And like I said, you can argue that the Rockets are NBA champions right now if he does not hurt his hamstring. And I think that does more for his reputation than anything. I know it sounds kind of weird, but getting hurt kind of saved him because he didn't have to win game six. He didn't have to win game seven. It's more like assumed that they won. And say that Chris Paul, for all of his greatness, and is well documented by certain Chris Paul fans, you know who you are. He's a perennial disappointment. It needs to be treated as such. I'm, oh, I, man, I'm I don't say, know. I'm going to say someone needs to say it, damn it. <laughs> so you're saying he should have a ring? Yeah. If you if you walking around here calling this man the point God, G-O-D, not G-A-W-D, huh? There needs to be at least one ring. All right. I'll say this. I think his time with the Clippers is very disappointing. I think they had right. a little window where they could have went to the finals and made some noise. I'll give you that. You know what? I respect that. You're not standing for Chris Paul. I respect that. (laughs) Back to the top 10. So right now at my number five, I have James Harden, right? Oh, yeah. Number six, this is where I have Russell Chasebrook. Oh, you know, I think he's a stat chaser. (laughs) Yeah. I think he gets a lot of credit for staying in OKC as opposed to getting killed for running Chris Paul straight to Golden State. Right. But the fact remains is he's a really good player, right? You can't. You can't take it away from him. He's right. a really good player in this league, and he needs to be respected as such. So Agreed. I'll put him in a top 10, sixth best player in the league. That's fair, right? Yeah, that's fair. I'll say so. All right, all right. That's cool. Um, Number seven in the league. This is where things start to get a little tricky. I'll put Chris Paul here. Just after I finish bashing him, I still got to put him in that, the top. But you're fair, because, but that's the thing. Like, we bash these players, but it don't mean we don't think they're great. Like, for instance, I, I, I'll I bash I'll bash Carmelo Anthony all, all day long, but at the same time, I know he's one of the best one-on-one scorers of all time. I ain't going to front. <laughs> right. I, I listened to the above the rim. You're, you're, you're partially a bitter Nick fan. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade here, brother. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But at the same time, I don't want to get too deep into it. I never wanted him on the Knicks in the first place. And I think that's why I'm so bitter because I didn't want that trade to happen. And then it did happen. I agree with you. That, that trade, to me, that trade became the blueprint for why Paul George is in the Laker. If you know you can sign him, don't trade the farm for a guy who's not necessarily going to carry you to a championship. Right. Metal, I, I agree. A championship quality player. 
But you don't trade. And they had a squad. I don't even like the Knicks. I live in Brooklyn. I don't like the Knicks. I, I troll Knicks fans more than I, I'll ever give the Knicks credit, right? But that squad with Gallo, shoot him up, Ray Felton, uh, uh, Wilson, Chandler, and company, to name a few. If you just added Melo to that same group along with Stat, conference finals. Yes, thank you. That's what I'm saying. Just wait. Just wait a fucking year, Melo. That's all I wanted you to do is wait. That's it. Right. That's so, it. Chris Paul, number seven. Number eight, I agree with ESPN. Kawhi Leonard is number eight when healthy. He's, he's arguably the best two-way player in the league as far as overall the quality of defense that he's given you along with the offense. But when people were saying he was top five and all of that, they kind of lost me with that. I, I, I never viewed him as a top five player. I, I just don't see him as, as a franchise changing one guy. You put him in any situation, he's going to change your fortunes. I don't look at him as that. But is he a really, really, really good player? Yes, he is. Top num- Number eight in my top ten. Number nine, this is where I'm going to put the stand hat on once again. All right. Kyrie- Kyrie Irving is my guy. I believe Kyrie Irving is a top 10 player in this league and needs to be respected as such. Okay. You know, and for number 10, because I love bigs, I love skilled bigs. I might get some heat for this, but I think Embiid is already top 10. And right. Embiid, he, to me, as far as classic bigs go with a splash of a little modern, it's Embiid, man. I think he's, I think he's everything you should want in a, in a modern NBA big right now. So there's my top 10. I agree with you on. I love MB too. He's the closest thing to me that we've seen from like that we've seen to Elijah. One. I'm not saying he is Elijah, one, but the footwork, mm-hmm. like the moves and everything. I, I I love him. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I'm with you on that. So no hate in your top ten, man. I like your top ten. That's a solid top ten. I try to be fair, man. I'm gonna give you. And honestly, the Kyrie thing too. Like I I know we talked about Kyrie before, but I agree with you, man. I mean, honestly, if you would put Kyrie in your top five, I understand because he is the best player on the best team in the East. Like, how are you not gonna have him in there? And, and I was going to ask you next, like, who's your dark horse MVP candidate? And mine is Kyrie. I mean, I know we okay. talked about him, but it's like, come on, yo. He's the best player on the best team in the East. You're going to tell me he ain't going to average 20-plus, have 5-plus assists, going to be leading that team to a one seed in the East, and then potentially a series against the Golden State Warriors, which I don't know if they can win, but I think they can make it competitive. They can make it six games, maybe seven, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. Agreed. To me, the Celtics are very live for an NBA championship this year. Like, anyone saying that they could beat Golden State, I won't get too mad at you because to me, I, I was saying that at the end of last season, I look at them as Golden State East as of right now with that coach, with that system, and now the fact that they have so many weapons. Like I told people two years ago when, when Kevin Durant came to Golden State, it's not even about the names on the back of the jerseys. It's about opposing defenses, defensive rotations. Can you rotate well enough to keep the ball from going in the basket, yes or no? And I did, the answer for two years now has been no. I look at Boston the same way now. Can you rotate well enough to deal with Gordon, to deal with Kyrie, to deal with Tatum, to deal with Jalen Brown, <laughs> just you, to, de- to deal with Horford? Can you oh defend God. four out of seven and beat them? That is the question now. And the answer for me, at least in the East, is no. So if you say Kyrie, Dark Horse MVP candidate, if he averages 25 to 26 and they win about 65, 66 games – He's, he might be the MVP, but my dark horse, not much of a dark horse, but all things considered with the narrative police out here, is Steph Curry. Mm. I think I think Steph I think Steph might really show out because it, it'll never be spoken about until we get our 30 for 30, right? But <laughs> him getting jerked out of that finals MVP this past season because right. KD got it for one good game when Steph dominated the first two and right. had a pretty good closeout game and didn't get finals MVP. 
I think this is the year Steph takes the reins back from KD and shows that, yo, KD's cool and all, but, you know, Steph Curry with the shot, you know? Yeah, I feel you. I, I think if Steph get, gets somewhere between 28 and night, 50, 40, 90, and, and Golden State gets back to the 60-plus win plateau because they, they dropped down to 58 this past season, Steph was a dark horse MVP candidate. It's funny because once Kevin Durant came over to Golden State, he his name basically left the conversation for MVP. Like no, right. he's a two time MVP, back to back MVP, unanimous. And Kevin Durant comes over, no one wants to talk about him anymore. When I think it's proven that when he's injured, that team is not the same without him. He's obviously Steph, still the most valuable player on that team. You are a smart man, and I've been trying to preach that to people. Steph Curry is still the most important part of Golden State, regardless of who you put around it. He is the most important part of that team because of geometry. The way the floor is spaced out, the way defenses have to stretch their defenses to deal with that whole unit, it's not the same when he isn't on the floor. As great as Clay Thompson is as a shooter, he doesn't stretch the floor the way Steph Curry does. And until you find someone who can replicate what he does at that level, there's nothing to be spoken about. You gotta start putting you gotta you gotta put that respect back on Steph Curry's name. It's it, and it's it sucks because there's no way to evaluate his impact. I mean, there's they get shots, open shots, open layups for the simple fact that he's standing out, maybe sometimes even 30 feet from the basket, and your man cannot help. His man can't help defensively because he can't leave Steph. So that's leaving lanes wide open, but there's just no way to quantify that in the NBA. That's what makes KD so impossible in that team because yep. you, can't double, you can't double anybody on Golden yep. State. You just got to pray they miss. Right. There's no like the help defense like that, and that's another thing. I think Boston's really good defensively. I know we're getting to like a little bit of a Boston versus Golden State thing here, but if right. one team can rotate, I think it's Boston. But I think Golden State causes so much problems because you can't play help defense the way you want to play help defense because you can't help off nobody on that squad ever. Exactly. The, the the caveat with Boston is the fact that they have that length and it's youthful length. You, right. Like the, the thing that might be Golden State this year has nothing to do with talent. It'll be coming out of the West five straight years. Right. Up against a young and hungry Boston team, or even Philly. That Those kind of legs, after fighting with the West for this many years, is good. We, we kind of saw a catch-up to them last season with the Houston matchup. Yes. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got caught slipping this year, because it's difficult. Like, what LeBron did in the East, as much as people say, oh, it's eight years, it's amazing, he didn't really have much pushback for eight years in the East. Golden State has been going to war in the West year in and year out and then having to deal with LeBron in the finals on top of that for, for four straight years. Right. It's going to be tough. This, this, if they win the championship this year, this will be their most impressive championship team. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I don't know if they are. I think they are. My thing with Golden State is that they just – I mean, you had DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know how he's going to affect the team. I don't even know how often he's going to play when he returns. I mean, he's DeMarcus Cousins, so you figure he's going to get he's gonna log some serious minutes. But I don't know how he fits in with that team. So I, I don't know if he's going to ruin chemistry with that team. He doesn't seem like he's a good locker room guy. It, it's I don't know why uh, I feel that way because he is one of the best players in the league. But to me, it's kind of like – my eyebrows were a little raised when they made that move. It's like, all right, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'll boogie because of the fact that they have, they already have a certifiable crazy person in their locker room, right? Right. Draymond Green is is out of his fucking mind. It's because of the fact that he is the ultimate Swiss Army knife in the NBA. Like what what he does cannot be replicated or duplicated by any other player in the league. If you put him in a different situation, it might not look as good, right? But what he does right now can't be replicated. He does every a little bit of everything on the floor and in the locker room. 
He's the glue to this whole situation. He's like like the highest level of glue guy imaginable as Draymond Green. So you add in Boogie to that mix, I think Boogie is going to have to fall in line because of a Draymond and to the fact that they were three out of four time defending champion. Right. You can't no say anything. No matter how the is, as a player walking into that locker room, you have to respect it. True. You can't. You can't make demands on a champion. You can make demands on a younger up-and-coming team with, with nothing to prove, like, like a New Orleans or, or a Sacramento, but the world champions, three out of four, two-time defending, you got to respect it. And I think he'll fall in. I think, if anything, he'll flourish because the system is designed. not no, it's, The system is more about we than it is about me, and that's going to help them tremendously. That's true. And also, he took less money. He took one year. I think he wants to show out, like, listen, I could be – a good teammate. I could be someone who's a part of a championship squad. I don't need money. It's not about the money. I want to win games. So if this is a year for DeMarcus Cousins to prove it, I, I think he can do it. But I, it's still, I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking of that team. I just think shooters, I think spacing. And to me, I don't know if he interrupts that. That's all. I mean, I, I can't not keep feeling that way because yeah. Boogie's track record shows that you really can't trust him until he proves that we can trust him. Right, right, exactly. All right, yo, Jarvis, yo, it's been dope. If you have any hot takes, throw them out there now. If not, let's wrap the show up. Hot take for me is just to bring it back to Russell Westbrook. Okay. At this point now, it's been a lot of love about him staying. It's been a lot of love about him not having help, even though he had help last season. And you could argue that he had help two seasons ago with Oladipo had he let him flourish the way he needed to flourish. I agree with you. To me, my hot take is, if Westbrook and OKC don't get out of the first round this year, it is time to start looking at Russell Westbrook as more of just enough the guy as opposed to anything special in the way we want him to be. All the Jordan comparisons, all the Kobe comparisons, they would need to stop if they don't get out the first round this year because I don't think he's anything special the way that me. I think he's a product of usage and not necessarily a product of dynamic skill. That That's my opinion on Westbrook. Get it done this year. Stop talking about him. Man, I am with you on that. I think we should already stop talking about him. He hasn't got out the first round with a team by himself. He hasn't really done much with a team by himself. I think he turns the ball over. I think he's wild. I think people just love that quote-unquote mamba mentality where it's kind of like, I'm going to go hard for 48 minutes and I'm going to shoot whatever I can shoot. And, <laughs> and and for whatever reason, people are attracted to that. I don't personally understand it. I don't get it. It's, it's hard. I'm a Kobe fan, and I don't even like it. You yeah. know, because Kobe won five, and the thing is, even he had like, as ironic as it is, in the playoffs, Kobe Kobe less in the playoffs than he did right. in the regular season. Right, yeah. So when it was time to win, to chill out. Westbrook seems to play one way and one way only. And I keep telling people, let's say, as much as they don't want to hear me, the ultimate form of hustling backwards in the NBA is high usage, low efficiency. Yes. You can't, it makes no sense, okay? And I don't want to hear it anymore. I agree, man. 100% I agree with you. Oh, my God, I agree. <laughs> All right, man, well... <laughs> Jarvis, it's been dope, bro. Let uh, everyone know where they can follow you on social media, about your podcast, all that good stuff. Uh, social media. On Instagram, I am Marlo Podfield, exactly the way it sounds. So look, look for me up that way. On Twitter, it's Chet underscore O'Hara. It's a joke. It's on my podcast where I have such an Irish-sounding Twitter handle. It's a joke. Go check out the uh, the episode. <laughs> of all, the All Hood Passing episode is where I tell you the story of my Twitter handle. And as he mentioned earlier, the, uh, my podcast, every other Thursday, is a new episode. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Elite Sports New York. I'm now getting in the writing game. Each new episode going forward will come with a little article about what the podcast is about. I don't. I give you enough crumbs to make you tune in by way of the article. So I'm doing a little bit of everything out here. And the visual format is coming soon as well. 
Dope, man. Well, thanks for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. I know we've been trying for a long time to get you on for months now, and uh, I'm starting to dime back up. I'm actually doing some YouTube stuff myself. Maybe we, collab- co- we can collab at some point. And you're going to be very soon, period. Like, when, we, 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 I got you. I got it all mapped out. Trust me. The time <laughs> of the is coming. Sounds good, man. All right, everybody. Well, if you want, you can follow The Dime on Twitter and Instagram, at The Dime NBA. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iHeartRadio. There's no excuse not to listen to an episode. So until next time, I'll have a new guest, new topics, all that good stuff. NBA starts in about a month. Can't wait for that. Until then, I'll catch you around. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.